0: We are a community that loves like Jesus, and today my hope and prayer is that this would be a transformative space for you. Today we're continuing our series on the best stories ever with today's sermon called God Confidence. So now, we live in a world of self-consumption and what the Bible would call pride. So much focus on self, so much focus on self-concept, And you would think with all the media cycles and such that focus on self, it seems that it would be reasonable that we would be doing quite well in the self-esteem market. Yet, unfortunately, America rates the highest in depression and suicide rates and anxiety and panic disorders, eating disorders and such for a variety of reasons, though. Yet I would claim that the focus on self drives a lot of dysfunction in our country, and at minimum can be related to some of those dysfunctions. So what is cool to see, though, during a pandemic, and I guess there's a silver lining in everything, is I've watched a national crisis drive other-centeredness. So lots of people have been concerned about others during this time, people helping people, others helping others, people giving to others. It's really incredible to see and really heartwarming, I would say. The Bible teaches that we are to be focused on others and believe in others. The Bible teaches that we're to be other-centered and and not self-centered. The Bible teaches that we're to have God-esteem and God-confidence instead of self-esteem and self-confidence because self-esteem and self-confidence only takes us so far. So when we focus on God and others, life definitely takes a turn. I would say for the better, not for the easier, just for the better. So if you're stressed out, low self-concept, or in between holiday blues, or depressed for whatever reason, I believe there's something to learn from the life of Joshua. It's a great place to begin building your life on God-confidence instead of self, and it seems like that that lets us down a lot um, in our lives, self-confidence. So we see in Joshua a miracle. It is the miracle that pushed them forward into realizing God's vision for their lives, realizing that the promise was at their fingertips, literally feet away. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna use this story as a backdrop for some principles. We're gonna use it, use all the way from Joshua 1 to 6 because an entire story, just unfolds, and it's very, very cool. So God gave Joshua an impossible assignment. In Deuteronomy 7.1, it tells us that the land that he was going to go in and possess after Moses had died was inhabited by seven nations. So optically, according to Israel, each of those nations were larger, and each of them were stronger than Israel. I think the point here to make is that even the promised land, has problems. And even God, as He's blessing you in tremendous ways, there's gonna be difficulties along the way. So the fact is that God never asks us to do anything without His help. So in Joshua 1, He gives Joshua a strategy. He sees this impossible task, but God gives him a plan. And if Joshua will live by faith and follow the strategy, we know faith and trust in God that He will be successful. Not to say it'll be easy, not to say it will be without problems, he will be successful according to God. So Joshua 1, starting in verse 7, it says this, be very brave and strong as you carefully obey all of the instruction that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't deviate even a bit from it, either to the right or to the left. Then you will have success wherever you go. Never stop speaking about this instruction scroll. Instruction scroll, Recite it day and night so that you can carefully obey everything written in it. Then you will accomplish your objectives and you will succeed. So notice this is a guarantee, a journey of command to follow that has a result. And I would say that it works today. We need to study this. We need to write it down. Whatever God tells Joshua to do in chapter one, every person needs to follow if we want to live a successful life. So I guess this now begs the definition of success. And I think the greatest success that any of us could ever have in life is success in the spiritual, not in the material, in the spiritual. The result of this kind of success, I think, is located in Joshua's life. The life of Joshua, these principles, I want to go over today, and I pray that you would implement them in your life. Number one, we need to be very clear in our direction to ourself and to others. In Joshua 1, starting in verse 1, it says, After Moses the Lord's servant died, the Lord spoke to Joshua, Nun's son. He had been uh, he had been Moses' helper. My servant Moses is dead. Now get ready to cross over the Jordan with this entire people to the land that I'm going to give to the Israelites. I'm giving you every place where you set foot, exactly as I promised Moses. Your territory will stretch from the desert and, and the Lebanon as far as the great Euphrates River, including all the Hittite land up to the Mediterranean Sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you during this lifetime. I will be with you in the same way I was with Moses I won't desert you or leave you So notice in this passage that God specifically outlines what, when and where Joshua is going. there's no there's no uh, uh, there's there's no lack of clarity here. It's very clear. He had a precise goal, he got a specific target and he knows exactly what God wants him to do. So I believe that if we're going to have a sense of, success, and somebody that God is going to use in great ways, we need to be clear about the direction. I talk to people all the time that don't really know what they want to do with their life. They tend to be drifting along. They don't know what they want with their family or their children or their job. I think that there's seasons for this. There's seasons of rest and kind of debrief and kind of take care of and build ourselves back up. But too long, we'll get frustrated with life. Too, too long, that is a point of laziness, and that can turn into a life that is unrestrained. So our lives need to speak more than this. Our lives need to speak more than maintaining the status quo. So what do you really want in your life? What do you want for your children? What are the goals for your family? What are your goals for yourself and your career? Oftentimes it's vague, but now is the time. And I would say that all of us have gone through so much that it's time to be penciling some things down, to be very, very specific. What are my next steps to accomplish certain goals and certain certain targets in my life? Everyone needs a dream, everyone needs a goal. Those goals need to be clear. And very specific because nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific and the more specific you are in your direction the more you know where you want to take life and the more that people know and can come alongside you and help you in your life it's like a magnet that that pulls you forward so we must be clear in our direction. In Joshua 6, it says, the, starting in verse 2, the Lord said to Josh, Joshua, Look, I have given you Jericho and its king into your power, along with its mighty warriors. Circle the city with all the soldiers, going around the city one more time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven trumpets made from ram's horns in front of the, in front of the chest. On the seventh day, circle the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Have them blow a long blast on the ram's horn. And as soon as you hear the trumpet blast, have all the people shout at, out a, a loud war cry. Then the city wall will collapse and the people will rise up attacking straight ahead. Verse uh, six, so Joshua and son called the priests. He said to them, lift up the covenant chest let seven priests carry seven trumpets made from the ram's horn in front of the Lord's chest. So the command was very clear, very specific. And the result was magnificent, I would say. They trusted this word. They had confidence in their leaders and the community around them. And God was in front and they listened to God and they followed through. Followed through with what? They followed through with the process. Followed through with what's very important that was said. Once a day for six days. So ask yourself if you feel like you have a sense of rhythm and direction and plan for your life. If you don't feel successful, why not? Do you not have a direction? I would say that we need to be very clear in our direction to ourselves and to others. But we also must be confident in the the, the heart of desire. So once you know the direction that God wants to take you, you have some plans put in place, you must have the confidence to move ahead, having a goal and a vision, having the plans to move forward. And and, then, and, and I would say that if you had the plans to move forward and never move forward, what is that? God called you to do something great and we must move from doubt to confidence because doubt is the stallout. It might be necessary for a season, but once you've been given a God-given goal, we need to move forward confidently. So I know that there's been many times in my life that I've prayed myself out of great goals and dreams. You have to be confident in God and that God wants to work through you. He who is in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And he who is in you will give you the strength to do what he's called you to do. So we need to believe that God wants to bless us in this life. And we might doubt sometimes, we might take a break sometimes, but that doesn't mean that we just should sit back and not accomplish the goal or the dream or the vision. We need to move forward in what God has called us to do. So in Joshua 6 8, it says, As soon as Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven ram's horns, uh, ram's horn trumpets moving forward in front of the Lord, they blew the trumpets. The Lord's covenant chest followed. The initial group of soldiers were going in front of the priests who were blowing their trumpets. The rear guard was coming behind the chest and the trumpets blowing continuously. Joshua ordered to the people, don't shout, don't let your voice be heard. Don't let the word, words come out of your mouth until the day I tell you. Shout, then shout, he says. They started marching in the presence of the Lord. They didn't turn to each other. and and just ask, what are we doing here? What do you think? Maybe we should take a vote on it. No, they initiated, God initiated, and they responded. Their response showed that they trusted their leadership. Their response showed that they trusted their, their, their community that was right next to them. One thing that I do know about having confidence is that that is built in community, The more community that I have around me, the more confidence I believe that I can have. And that's the beauty of the church. But what I also know is I need to trust the people around me. I need to give them honor and trust. And honor and trust is not earned, it's given. I wanna prove that to you because some of you just disagreed with me, and I know you did because most people say trust is earned. Trust is given to one another. And I'm gonna prove it with this: that trust is given to your spouse. If it if if it wasn't, then anyone that's married would not be married. We give a vow and we give trust. That's what brings a marriage together. And so at the at the center of a relationship, we give one another trust. We will always do things that will disappoint. We will always do things that hurt one another. But even though that happens, we still in forgiveness can give trust again. So if you want to be successful in your desires, we need to learn to give trust and honor to other people. So the trust and the honor in this in this uh, community is clearly seen in in this passage that they stepped out forward and they began to march. They didn't allow each other's sins to get in the way. They didn't allow each other's opinions to get in the way. When Joshua 1 says, be strong and very courageous, they stepped out in that and they trusted in the others around them. They honored those that were around them and it made it much easier to stand in confidence to do the task that God had called them to do. So I would say that there's some things that rob us from trust. And number one, experience or inexperience, and I know this well, that experience and inexperience robs us from confidence. Either I don't feel like I can do it in my inexperience, or in my experience, I've already done that before, or that didn't work, or I failed at that, I'm not going to try it again. And sometimes inexperience is actually better than experience, because we don't know that We don't know what we don't know. And so people say things like, well, it's never worked before, or why should I try it again, or I've always failed at that, or yes, we've reviewed that before, or we explored that before with some ideas that we might bring to the table. If you don't watch out, all defeats, past failures, old mistakes, old hurts will keep you from having confidence. Don't let experience that's robbed you of confidence in the past continue to rob you of confidence in the future. Never let bad memories control your future because your future can change. Also, another thing that robs us from our confidence is emotions. I know that emotions are very real, but as I tell my daughter, all emotions are real, but not only, they they don't always tell the truth. When I look at myself and say, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, and I should just go eat worms, right? I think that I, that can't be trusted. That's a lie. And too many people trust in the moods. They trust in emotions. We say, I just don't feel like it, or I don't, I don't like them. I don't feel like they're a good person, or I don't feel like a good person, or I'm too tired, or I'm too inadequate, or I don't have the ability or the experience Those are emotions that we have that a lot of times can be a head voice that doesn't speak the truth into our lives, and they counter what God tells us that we are. And so if we're going to be successful spiritually in our lives, we have to learn to become emotional, mature beings on this planet. And, And many times I don't feel like doing the things that I do. Many times I don't feel like like waking up in the morning and going to work like I do and, and making sure that things are happening the way that they're happening, and especially when I'm tired or I'm down. I believe that the most important piece of my ministry, but also the most important piece to me being a dad, me being a husband, me being a community leader of, of any kind that I am, is to be consistent and emotionally mature. And I know that when I invite God to control my emotions, I can make godly decisions instead of emotional reactions. And this brings consistency to my life, and it brings, it brings uh, trust that people can believe in and know that I will bring that kind of consistency and that maturity to the table. So God tells us to be ready in and out of season. And how do I, how do I get emotionally healthy? I need to fill my emotional bucket in the out-of-season moments. And I pray that you would take this moment, if this is an out-of-season moment for you, that you've been, you've been maybe like pulled out of maybe work or certain situations that you were busy last year with and that's not happening now, I pray that you would fill your emotional buckets, through counseling and reading and, and some self-care in your life to become more emotionally mature in this season. But also, excuses can rob me from confidence. Rationalizations, I rationalize myself out of everything. To rationalize means rational lies, right? They sound good, but they're not necessarily the truth. They're justifications. I don't have time, I don't have money, I don't have the education, I don't have the ability. We can't keep giving excuses and keep that from us moving forward in our confidence and our desires. So this is where we break down the steps we march around the walls, right, once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, seven times. I would say that, I would say that uh, that that is a commitment, and that is a strategy, and that's very specific. So we need to be committed to our decisions. Once you start, don't look back march around the walls a certain number of times, and on the seventh day, seven times, right? Luke 9, 62 says this, but Jesus told him anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Joshua 1, 9, I've commanded you to be brave and strong, haven't I? Don't be alarmed or terrified because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God says stick with it. Don't cop out. Hang in there. Be persistent. Be diligent. Don't give up. So my question is, what are you committed to? Are you committed to the right things in your life? Because it's really easy to be committed to things that waste time or committed to things that are taking you the wrong directions because they feel better or they're placeholders in our life. What are the things that you're willing to to fight for? Those are the things to be committed to. What are you willing to die for? Those are the things that you're not going to give up on in your life. So look at what you're doing. Look at what you're involved in. Is it God's calling or are you just doing it for self? Are you just doing it for self-gratification or is it to please God with your actions and your deeds? Are you committed to the right things? And cultivating and, and nurturing God's first callings in your life is most important. So are you committed? And if you are, then that will make you successful. You're committed to the right calling first. God will lead you through this life and you will be able to conquer this life. And because of their faith, because of their confidence, and because of their willingness to follow God, this is what happens in Joshua 6.20. When the people heard the sounds of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could and suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed. So whatever problems we face, remember that that. Every idea and every good thing has something wrong with it, and you can give up very easily along the way. But if we power through it and we follow the process and we march around the walls six times on the seventh day, seven times and blow the horns, whatever's pressuring you in life or whatever's taking your and distracting you in life or causing you trouble, if we stay committed to the first callings in God's life, there's some opportunity there that God's gonna come in and, and give us the miracle. So there'll be naysayers in our life. There'll be times where we feel like we're taking too much on and we have a huge load. Remember that all people will disappoint us in some way and all people get critical, at least to a degree. And there's times in our life that we do have to carry uh maybe too much that we need to ask for help and an opportunity to share the load but in order to to overcome the problems and the pressures and the load we need to keep this in mind commit to your decisions we need to be clear in our direction we need to be confident and committed in our decisions. But then finally, I think that all good leaders are corrected by defeats. And in Joshua 1.7, be brave and strong as you carefully obey all the instructions that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't deviate even from a bit, either to the right or to the left. Then you will have success wherever you go. So he's saying, don't get sidetracked. And when you have defeat, when you have failure, it's time to get back on track. Use the Word of God to help you reorganize your priorities. Get yourself off, get your eyes off of the people who are criticizing you. Get your eyes off the impossible situation and the difficulty because that's going to get us off track. That is what's going to distract us and take us off the path that God wants us to be on. So yes, mistakes are all a part of the journey. Mistakes are a part of life, and we will get off of the right path, and we'll have to be corrected, because all have sinned. We're not perfect, I'm not perfect, and life is full of mistakes, and the pencil eraser industry was built on our mistakes, and so we know that everyone makes at least the minor of mistakes, but the difference between successful and non-successful people is the fact that it's not that successful people don't fail. They fail all the time. It's just that successful people learn from their failures. Corrections of defeat are the key to our future. Somebody famous named Edison said, don't call it a failure, call it an education. That's kind of a simple thing because failure, is it's hurtful. It can be painful. It can be very painful. But I think we can grow in this. And as many of us have felt like we have spit and sputtered along in this 2020 year, it's been a hard year. And a lot of us have made a lot of mistakes. We just haven't known where to go and what to do and what's next. And we try something and we fail at it. We try another thing and we fail at it. But be big enough to admit our wrong. That's where we need to be. Big enough, be big enough to admit you're wrong. I was wrong. That's a real mark of a great person. I made a mistake and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I mean, how can you deny a person in your life that's just willing to say I was wrong? But great people, I think, not only admit that they were wrong, but they allow other people to teach them. And I believe that we can learn from anyone uh, as long as we're willing to ask the right questions. So it's wise to learn from other people. It's wise to learn from the experiences of other people allow their mistakes to teach us as well learn from our mistakes learn from other people's mistakes so we don't have to repeat other mistakes that we that we could have avoided in in life but allow mistakes and allow the 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 sins of our life even and the getting off of god's path that he wants us allow those to be correcting moments shaping transforming moments softening moments that it will make us more like jesus and and the kind of god confidence that we can have that ensures us that we are gonna enter into the future with the best hope of success includes being corrected by our mistakes. It includes being confident in our desires and clear in our direction and committed to our decisions and also corrected by our defeats. And that is what makes this story the best story ever. Let's take communion now. This is the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. And he holds this bread and he says, this is my body given for you. And through this, you will have eternal life. And he says, this is the covenant, the new covenant that I give you. And through this, you will have a life of joy, a life of community, a life of hope. And he says, and I'm coming again. And so when we take this, we say, thank you, Lord. Thanks be to God that you give me a hope for my future here on earth, a hope for my future for eternity. And you give me salvation. You give me salvation. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we are thankful for today. We are thankful for this moment. Lord, thank you for Jesus. I pray that the power of Jesus, Lord, your spirit, would be on your people today. Lord, that they would experience your presence today. You would be transforming us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.